Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash Potters in Control. So on Monday, we were on the eastern seaboard for a rain-swept walk with a more slender Godzilla. But today, we're off to America's west coast and it's suns out, guns out, as a beefed up king of the monsters takes on some mating mutos in 2014's Godzilla. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. Can you kill it? The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? 1998's Godzilla or 2014's Godzilla? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. It must be a mating call. The female remained dormant until the male matured. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Ah, how are you both? Very well. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Yes, it's February. Wow. Which means the month formerly known as Clash Potters in Control, a.k.a. Fanjan, a.k.a. Fanuary, has now metamorphosized like a muto in a nuclear reactor into February Fanny. Perfect. Pleasure to have you here for our first <laughs> February Fanny show. Um, I'm enjoying it already. Yeah, we've got some good films lined up for yeah. the month of February Fanny. <laughs> there we do. Uh, but there is still time. There's still time. Uh, if you want to enjoy February Fanny with us, then you can. All you need to do is email us a pairing that you would like us to clash on the show to show at clashpod.com, telling us the movies you want clashed, why you want them, and what connects them. Uh, now, this pairing, you said on Monday's episode you were going to tell us today mm. the reason behind mm -hmm. this choice. Yes, because it was from Jamie Almazan, and he didn't actually give us a reason, but <laughs> this is doubling up as this week's review. Oh. Let me read it out. Okay. Uh, Jamie writes, Since I can't rate your podcast on Spotify, I'll give you your five-star rating here. I love your podcast. I found you guys for a mention of another podcast, A Cup of Tea and a Chat with Ali and Bean. And ever since, I can't stop listening. You guys are amazing and super funny. I look forward to more and hopefully appearing from my suggestion of Godzilla v. Godzilla. And that's from Jamie in La Puente, California. And we have gone and done them. Hey. And, wow, we're doing a movie set largely in California as well. Lovely stuff. What are the <laughs> chances of that? <laughs> it's weird. Because <laughs> California's set tiny. And there's no, there's no films there yeah. at all. Such a, yeah, unexplored <laughs> It's the first LA the movie we've done. You're right. You're absolutely right. Oh, my God. Do you know what? Fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. That was a really a yeah. lovely message. Thank and you, Jamie. That was very kind of you. And I'm pleased you picked these movies. And thank you. And California, a lovely place. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Never been. Never been. Barely heard Re of it. I mean, hadn't really heard of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to come, you know. <laughs> I've got other things I can be doing. Um, <laughs> right then. So... On Monday, Chris tackled Big G in NYC, which means today I'm saying my Godzilla is Lizarda than your Godzilla. No. Liz Lizarda, <laughs> he's Lizarda, but he's Lizarda. Let me take you on a journey. 
We're in Japan and tremors are shaking a nuclear plant. Oh my God, it's so tense. But more than that, isn't Brian Cranston brilliant? Oh my God, him and Juliette Binoche are fantastic. Wow, this might be the best movie I've ever... Oh shit, Binoche has carked it. Still, that was an effective death and we've still got Cranston. Oh no, he's dead. Right. Well, Godzilla will be here soon. Any second now. Coming right up. His name's on the fucking poster. Where the hell is... Oh, here he is. Hawaii. And there's the Muto. Great setting for a fight. Oh, or not. Okay. No fight. He just appeared and then left. Fair enough. San Francisco it is. At least we're going to have a fight in daylight. That'll be a... Oh, right. The city's covered in smog. Never mind. Let's watch Godzilla kill a mother and father who are protecting their young yay what a hero the end also Aaron Taylor Johnson is in this ladies and gentlemen for your consideration Godzilla oof oof Strong feelings in that. Yeah. Some feelings, some strong feelings. Right then, histories for this movie. Uh, I'll start. As I said on Monday, I was super, super excited to see this movie. Actually, I don't know if I did say that on Monday. Either way, I was super, super excited to see this movie because I'd seen Monsters, uh, Gareth Edwards' movie, mm. and I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> uh, but that's what I said on Monday because of that teaser trailer with the Halo jump. I remember watching that and just thinking, wow. This looks special. And then the follow-up trailer with Brian Cranston going, going to send us all back to the Stone Age! I'm like, what is going on? So I got very excited about this movie. I watched it when it came out at a screening. Um, never seen it since. Uh, had no real desire to watch it again. I think sometimes when we do a movie on the pod, and it's a different experience watching it for a second time. I had an identical experience to watching it the first time this time around. My opinion of this movie hasn't changed. Vicky? Uh, I'd never seen it. Oh, yeah. I saw Monsters, but I'm just not, you know, I just don't have the uh, the history with Godzilla, so I wasn't that tempted. So it's the first watch. Did you like Monsters? Yeah, I did, actually. It's good, in it? Yeah, it is good. Good, in it? Insane. It's nice lo-fi good. I know, but uh, like the fact that they made that, apart from the cast, there were five crew on that entire yeah. movie. And the fact that he just made it with off-the-shelf, like, editing equipment, all those effects, I think Monsters is, like, a massive achievement. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I went to Comic-Con and they showed us the Halo jump scene and I thought, wow. Mm. And then back in London, they invited me to a screening of special footage from the film and they showed me the Halo jump again and I thought, <laughs> wow. And then they released the teaser trailer and it was the Halo jump. <laughs> so the best scene in this film, spoiler alert, um, I'd seen so many times that by the time I saw the movie, it was the least interesting scene in the film. Um, but same as you, Al, I watched it at a screening. I think I've watched it once since. And yeah, I've watched all these Monsterverse movies. I've had to, I mean, for work, really, when I was at IGN and fandom, these were huge releases. And it's been interesting to see that this is the place that it started, where it is now, mm. almost at the end of that journey, in fact. Yeah. Although this week, they've, I think they've announced a TV series, but we'll see what happens with the movies. But yeah, uh, and uh, my opinion has changed a little bit. Okay. Okay, good. Um, I'll tell you a bit about the movie. It was uh, in August 2009. Rumours surfaced that Legendary was in talks with Toho to produce a new American Godzilla. Uh, they said, and this is a theme that runs through a lot of the pre-production chat about this movie. They said they were going to make a new film closer in style to the original 1954 film rather than the 1998 film with its iguana-like creature. Our plans are to produce the Godzilla that we, as fans, would want to see. People making this movie cannot stress enough how different this is going to be from the 1998 version. They go out of their way to talk about Godzilla fans, pleasing the fans, Toho being on board at every opportunity, which I think is a right decision. So, uh, Toho Studios uh, agreed to give them the rights only if they could participate in the creature design, sound design, and plot. Someone learnt a lesson from 1998. <laughs> in 2011, Gareth Edwards is announced as director, uh, his second feature after Monsters, and um, he said this will definitely have a very different feel than the 1998 film. <laughs> Our biggest concern is making sure 
We get it right for the fans because we know their concerns. It must be brilliant in every category. How many, so how many quotes have you got well. like this, Alex? I'm getting concerned here. That's it. That's all okay. the fan base quotes. <laughs> Apart from two more. Uh, <laughs> Edward says his influences in making this film were Spielberg, which we'll talk about a lot as we go through, and Akira, uh, weirdly enough. He says, we wanted to do this beautifully real documentary vibe, but also this classic Spielberg style. When we got stuck, we'd always go, what would Akira do? I didn't understand that quote. Do they mean the character? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming they just sort of mean the, the, movie, the movie. Yeah, but that would be great. He'd, uh, he'd probably have to fight his yeah. former best friend. But I guess the halo jump is kind of a bit Akira-esque with stuff happening in the it's sky. It's got a very... A, the whole end is very apocalyptic, like mm. the end of Akira. Yeah. That's all good, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so writing-wise, uh, the first guy to write a script was Dave Callahan, who had previously written The Expendables, uh, would go on to write Zombieland Double Tap, Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Shang-Chi, and he's doing the new Spider-Man animated movie, uh, this next Spider-Verse movie. So he gets a story credit. A few other people worked on this movie. I was surprised. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, some big names. Yeah. Uh, so you've got David Goyer worked on it. Drew Pierce worked on it. Tony Gilroy worked on it. And Frank Darabont wow. worked on it. I'll mention the contribution Frank Darabont made when we get to it in the story, because it's a very, very, very good addition mm, by it's, Mr. It's Darabont. It's the bit where Godzilla escapes out the hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Silly. Rubbish. <laughs> it's not that bit. It's where where um, <laughs> it's where Aaron Taylor Johnson turns up on a beach at the end of Godzilla's painting a boat. <laughs> <laughs> So similar, sim, similar joke. It's a different, different version of the same joke. Uh, I mean, Keep going. Your turn, Vicky. Roll a three. Come on. Oh, Godzilla's got a poster of him. Shanked in the shower. And the rest. And, you know, bogs has his way with Godzilla. Because <laughs> Frank Darabont did um, oh, the, right, the yeah. Green Mile. So. <laughs> we are so good. Uh, anyway, a uh, writer called Max Boren. Uh, for whom this was his first sort of real big movie. Uh, he had uh, a couple of scripts on the blacklist, uh, including one that Legendary Pictures uh, had commissioned uh, called Jimmy, <clears throat> based on the life of guitarist Jimi Hendrix, uh, which I don't think ever saw the light of day, possibly because there was the Andre 3000 one, which came out in 2013, so that probably put the kibosh on that. Uh, but he gets the sole writing credit for this in the end, and he'd go on to work a little more in the WB Monsterverse mm. on King of Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong. A little bit about casting. Uh, a few people were offered the role of uh, Ford uh, before Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Joseph Gordon-Levitt being the big one who turned it down. Uh, apparently Henry Cavill, I, don't, I can't see that personally, uh, was offered it. Scoot McNary could see that. And Caleb Landry-Jones, um, who is very good uh, and very scary in most of what I've ever seen him in. So I can't quite see that, but fair enough. Uh, TJ Storm did the mocap for Godzilla. Uh, he's done Avatar, Deadpool, Captain America, The Predator, and on the look of Godzilla. This is my final fan base quote. Our producer Thomas Toll was adamant about keeping Godzilla's design consistent with the Toho version, saying, We had to make triply sure we got it right. Godzilla had to look like Godzilla. I was always puzzled by the 1998 version. As a fan, why would you take things so far? <laughs> it's unrecognizable. It's the biggest Godzilla. We've ever had on screen at 350 feet tall. I got a quote from Gareth about the look of the Godzilla as oh, well. Oh, go on. Um, I really like this. He said, The way I tried to view it was to imagine Godzilla was a real creature, and someone from Toho saw him in the 1950s and ran back to the studio to make a movie about the creature and was trying their best to remember it and draw it. And in our film, you get to see him for real. Mm. I got a bit confused when I read that. I was like, <laughs> Wait, so who's that? So that's a memory of it, whereas this is the real thing. Right. It, it reminded me kind of of this quote from Emmerich about 1998. He said, my whole concept is based on totally changing Godzilla like I had the idea for Godzilla yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so disrespectful. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to cast one about that. Uh, uh, I'll say two things about marketing. Have you seen uh, the adverts that tied into the release of this movie, which are available on YouTube? It's insane. Considering the sombre tone of this film, there are 
tie-in adverts uh, to promote the movie which companies have paid for the rights to Godzilla. Uh, one is for a Fiat 500 uh, in which Godzilla is walking around a city swallowing Fiat 500s. Uh, he's swallowing them whole and then he goes to pick up another Fiat 500 and he goes to swallow it <clears throat> and he chokes on it and he has to spit it out. And the tagline is the new four-door Fiat 500. It's a lot bigger than you think. Okay. Not as good as the Snickers one. The Snickers advert that Godzilla is in, and it is the Godzilla from this movie. He's human-sized, and he's playing ping-pong. He's riding a quad bike. He's getting drunk at a house party, and he's being checked out by girls on a beach, causing one guy to say, Godzilla's actually pretty cool, except when he's hungry. Cut to Godzilla destroying a city until someone throws a Snickers in his mouth. That's that's even worse. Than They're the... mad adverts. <laughs> what on earth? At what point do you go? Yeah, it's a pretty serious take on Godzilla. Snickers. Because the big <laughs> how much money? <laughs> the big advert from the '98 version though was the Taco Bell Chihuahua <laughs> interacting with him repeatedly. But that was actually a hit advert. I'm guessing were these hit adverts? I, I've no idea. I just sort of watched them, having watched the movie, and went, "This is insane." Did this... you buy a Snickers? Because then it's a good advert. I don't need to buy a Snickers. I've got a Snickers making machine. <laughs> you don't got one? Yeah, they gifted me one. Uh, right then, uh, open way above expectations. Uh, 93.2 million. But it ended its domestic run. Uh, the lowest ever total for a movie that opened above 90 million with 200 million. It still was a big hit. 529 million in the world. And it started off the MonsterVerse, of which it is the second best film. Right then, shall we go through it? I might agree with you there. We'll have to discuss that at the end. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say it now, but I mm. think it is the second best MonsterVerse film. Uh, but is it better or worse than 1998's mm. version? We'll find out. So, like the 1998 version, Chris mentioned it. Opening credits are of a footage of the nuclear tests at Bikini Atoll. Although this time, Godzilla's already there. What? How's he there <laughs> already? I thought the nuclear test created him. Not in this version. No. Um... He is created sort of by a nuclear incident. Toho Studios said the two stipulations were it had to be set in Japan, at least in part, and it had to be born of a nuclear incident. Yeah, good shout on both fronts. Absolutely. But the nuclear, in inverted commas, incident in this movie is he was woken up by the lowest ever depth a nuclear submarine had gone to. Sort of, it's like, what kind of submarine is it? Nuclear? <laughs> I guess that's a nuclear incident-ish. Doesn't feel, doesn't feel like it sort of delivers on the, the whole nuclear aspect. It's just a submarine going quite near something. Did they say that? Like, or, or are we supposed to pick that up from the no, footage? No, they actively say right, it. Right, okay. They actively say it later in the movie. Uh, so now it's Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins as scientists. Of some kind. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's very clear exactly what they do uh, or why scientists are being invited to a collapsed mine and people are like, thank God you're here, scientists. <laughs> well, they're monarch, which you don't really pay that much attention to in this film. And obviously that became such a big part of what the MonsterVerse was. So it's something they built on. But I think you're right. It doesn't get explained mm. here in the way that it does on in Skull Island, for example. For example. Yeah, that's a good example. I mean, here, though, to look at this movie, would you like to actually know uh, what Dr. Ishiro and Dr. Vivian are actually doctors of? Yeah? Sure. Let me read you uh, their character descriptions. Uh, Dr. Ishiro is described as a scientist at Monarch. Well, Dr. Vivian is described as a monarch scientist. <laughs> Typical. I got a little bit obsessed with this, so I found an interview uh, with Sally Hawkins that she did on the set of the movie where she clarifies exactly mm. what her character is. Uh, let's have a listen. I play Vivian Graham, and I'm a scientist. I'm second in command to uh, Dr. Sarazawa. And um, um, we've been working together... For a number of years, um, you see that in the beginning of the film, you, s you sort of capture a couple of moments of that. Um, for 15 years, they've been working together. On science. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not that much. <laughs> I mean, they've clearly not told her. And someone's gone, so tell us about what your character does. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Do you, I mean, this is... You are working for the studio here. This is the EPK. This is like, we're all, we're all fighting the same fight. What the fuck are you doing? What am I a doctor of? I'm a doctor. Enough said. So uh, let's head to Japan. 
Uh, I love, love, I'm going to say this, love this part of the film. Uh, I don't know if it's watching a lot of J-horror in the noughties or the fact that it's all very washed out, the colour palette they use but this is ominous like this whole start in japan even in the house when they're looking out at the nuclear plant in the distance mm. it feels very oppressive mm-hmm. it's great we meet brian cranston and his wig um <laughs> oh, you can't unsee it once you've spotted it yeah. you can't unsee it can you did you also notice when they're in the opening credits uh all the words are being redacted by the names yeah uh, it's redacted above his name and it says walter white Oh, very good. I don't know why they did that. I mean, well, no, they must, <laughs> have, been, joke. must have been furious that he had to wear a wig because he just finished filming Breaking Bad, which is why he was bald. And so they go, here's your wig. He's like, it's not very realistic. They're like, <laughs> don't matter. He'll be dead in a minute. <laughs> have, you got, have you got one that looks like hair? <laughs> uh, Brian says the most important thing about this version of Godzilla is the characterization. The characters in this are real, well-drawn, Edwards takes his time to really establish who these people are. That's the best part of it. Yours is, Brian. Mm. Yours is. You're a, you're a murderer. You're about to murder your wife. <laughs> yeah. Brian is Joe Brody, uh, the first of a lot of Spielberg influences in this film. Edwards says, obviously, they're intentional. Uh, the thing about the Brody thing is he was really based on Chief Brody. There was a whole sequence ah. uh, where he's trying to shut down the power plant, like Brody is trying to shut down the beaches in Amity, and uh, he can't. They won't let him. Like the mayor won't let Brody in. Jaws, um, but they had to cut that bit out. And also, they talk about how he's very, very Richard Dreyfus like mm. in Close Encounters, getting obsessed, getting mm-hmm. obsessed. I guess. I mean, it stuck a bit. Um, basically, I know it's 2014 and things are different, but if you're going to be, if you've got to honour the 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 Japanese roots of the source material and all the rest of it, you've got an American man telling the Japanese something that they won't listen to. And I think that's a bit of a mistake. He's like, I know best. I'm the boss. I'm American. You need to listen to me, Japanese people. Shut this thing down. He tells, uh, yeah, I totally agree, but he tells everyone... Um, things that they already know. Yeah. For example, he tells his wife, Sandra, uh, when we get to the accident, you won't last five minutes uh, down there with or without the suits. (laughs) Uh, Sandra's a nuclear regulations (laughs) consultant. Yeah. She probably knows that. Yeah. Yeah. It's there for the audience, but it's like... I know, Alex. It's it's, just rubbish. No, I'm agreeing with you because it's the moment where you go, what sort of fucking pep talk is that? (laughs) She's like, you are going to be dead in five minutes. It's like, "Uh uh-huh. Thanks, hubby. Yeah. And also, it's vanishingly rare these days because the term is popular, but you don't often get to see someone being fridged behind an actual metal door. (laughs) So that's nice. Bit of a throwback. Uh, Binoche agreed to join the film after reading a beautiful letter from Edwards and also because of this scene. Uh, It's her only scene. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Because she was like, I'll get paid, what, a minute for seven minutes? So let's talk about this death scene. Um, It's a great ratcheting up of tension. The tremors, should they shut it down? Brian says yes. The Japanese go, okay, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, American person. When boom, the reactor cracks, that gas, that steam that is released, the radioactive steam, terrifying. Looks great. Her team running away. Brian running to the doors while saying, you won't last five minutes. <laughs> I know. I fucking know. I'm a nuclear regulations <laughs> consultant. This is information I know. It's literally my job. <laughs> <laughs> then he's out the door and he's got to seal it or everyone dies. Kill his wife to save everyone else. He's doing some amazing face acting. Yeah, it is funny acting. when he thinks he's killed her and she's like, nope, still here. <laughs> but the steam heading towards him and he's like, ah! He actually <laughs> screams at the steam because he doesn't believe he's going to have to do this. Yeah. So good. It is good. And then, like yeah. you say, his wife at the door going... Look after Ford. He doesn't. <laughs> Dying words. Just one thing. Brian, one thing. Look after us. You've fucking ditched him for a conspiracy theory. Fine. All right. Uh, that is your big opening. And it's phenomenal. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant opening. I remember watching it in the cinema yeah. going, if this movie continues like this, it's going to be one of the best films of the year. Uh, Edward says that, like I said, jo- uh, Juliet Binoche, um, signed on for that death role, and she said that Quentin Tarantino admitted to her that he cried during her character's death scene. Tarantino said, Tarantino said it's the first time I've ever cried during a 3D blockbuster. Okay. Apparently. Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Anosh's words, not mine. I'm 
True. Mm. Yes, apparently. <laughs> According to Binoche. Should we cut that? <laughs> I don't know. I was gripped. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what does Tarantino think about the next scene? I made that. <laughs> New feature. What does Tarantino think? We've done it a lot. I was just continuing the theme. We often talk about what Tarantino thinks about things. It's a one-off. <laughs> We've done Crawl. What was the other one? <laughs> what would Akira do? What would Tarantino do? <laughs> oh, it was Frank Darabont who wrote that death scene. Oh, so okay. that was his big contribution okay. to the script. Edward said he wrote a scene that confirmed Brian and Juliet for this movie. Fun. So it's 15 years on. Ford has all grown up, um, returning to his family after quite a while away. They don't say how long, but he's coming back from a tour of duty and his buddy goes, oh, you're going home to your family. The only thing they don't train you for. <laughs> Which makes you think it's going to be a bit awkward when he gets home. He's going to have to reintegrate. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Didn't need any training. No trauma that we can see. Seems all right. So this is a moment where the film needs us to fall in love with the Brodies, mm. and because we are going to be rooting for their survival for the next four hours. <laughs> so it checks a lot of boxes, though. Cute kid, check. Guy who makes his partner laugh hysterically while yep. drinking wine, check. <laughs> is that you? Is that what you do? It's just so it's, hokey, I think it's but... just such a trope. It's like, it's like yeah. both with a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got denim shorts on because I'm at home. We've got such a connection still. Do you wear denim shorts at home? <laughs> Where's denim shorts at home? They're not that comfortable, but you're doing a movie like this when you're drinking wine and someone's making you laugh and you're going to have sex in a bit. You are right. <laughs> it's such a thing. Uh, so Elizabeth Ol- Jaws, more Jaws. Elizabeth Olsen's character isn't called Ellen Brody. That would be too stupid. She's called El Brody. <laughs> no N. It's different. There's no N. Uh, so he gets a call uh, off to Japan. Because his dad's been arrested. I mean, do you? Why right. is it? I know that San Francisco is quite far from Japan, I suppose. But so if someone's out on bail, do they ring? Surely there's someone that can come and get you rather than someone who's in San Francisco. But it's not even clear that he's bailing him out. He sort of just, it's like, it's not like I've got to go bail my dad out. It's like my dad's been arrested. So in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Can you yeah. come pick me up from the police station? <laughs> sure, where? <laughs> Other side of the world. <laughs> no. <clears throat> but El, Get an Uber. <laughs> Elle's fine. Uh, she says, it's, uh, you're only going for a few days. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen looks at the camera breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> it is really. <laughs> Godzilla's coming in two hours. She knows. She's a witch. She knows. <laughs> uh, so it's great, though, because we're in Japan and Brian's back. Yay. Oh, it's amazing. He's uh, He's got your... Classic conspiracy theorist decor up in his house. Great line. I don't get many visitors. I've never heard that before. <laughs> um, so they go to the family home. A nice Easter egg of a rip label spelling Mothra uh, mm. on uh, the glass case that contains something, which makes you think, I'll tell you when we get there, but I was disappointed a bit coming up. Um, they get captured and taken to a power plant uh, where Ken and Sally, who are scientists, <laughs> are watching a massive cocoon pulse. But despite the fact they're in a power plant that was wrecked by the thing in the cocoon and there appears to be a countdown of sorts, <laughs> this sort of chill with letting it do its shit. It's getting more and more intense. I think something's going to... It's fine, leave it. Uh, Cranston is giving this movie everything. You're hiding something out there and it's going to send us back to the Stone Age. Lovely line for the trailer. Yep. Uh, anyway, based on Cranston's fears, Ken decides to try and kill the cocoon. Doesn't work. And the MUTO pops out. Hate the word MUTO, the acronym. Never mind. I was disappointed that this was a new creature. I'm like, you have so many monsters in this universe to have fun with. This uh, Creating a new creature... I'm not. I wanted, I wanted it to be either Godzilla or something I recognised from the old Toho version. And also, they make it clear that Muto is massive, unidentified terrestrial organism, mm. and then immediately say, Lee say it's not terrestrial; it's airborne. <laughs> yeah. So don't call it that. Then change the. You're giving it the yeah. wrong name. Yeah. It's a mu mu mueo. Yeah. Uh, so uh, shit goes down uh, Cranston uh, looks like he's died in the destruction and you're like he can't have done because his it, wife it, just died they wouldn't do that and also everyone at this point is aware he is the best thing in your movie he's dead mm. uh, he dies seconds later so they, they, he survives that and you're like 
Okay, thank God. Oh, yeah. A second weird. death. It's Two weird. Brian Cranston deaths. <laughs> it's weird. They give him those extra sort of 30 seconds, but nothing really happens or gets achieved in those 30 seconds. It's so. just to put his son in the room with the scientists, mm. but there's loads of other ways of doing that. Or he could, you know, why does he even say anything to his son before he dies? He, he goes, go home to your family and look after them. He tells oh, yeah, Air he does, yeah. and uh, he tells he Ford no, what to do. Do, what yeah. it, do whatever it takes to keep your family That's safe. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're right. So uh, <clears throat> he... Um, do you know who actually, I will say this, do you know who thinks, apart from me, and I guess you guys, do you know who thinks it was a mistake to kill off Brian Cranston? Ooh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Brian Cranston, actually. Okay. Uh, Brian Cranston says it was a mistake to kill his character mm. at this stage in the movie. I would have stayed in the movie. <laughs> I was having a nice was, time. I was like, can I not live? And they were like, no, 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 we don't need you. You did, and you do. <laughs> so... Uh, Ken and Sally are working with the US military uh, now because they're scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're on an aircraft character. It's going to get funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're welcome on board the aircraft character. And do you know why we know that? Because Admiral Stenz has a scene where he welcomes Ken on board and says, glad you have you on board. And then Ken leaves. And that is the scene. Yep. It's just like, okay, so they didn't sneak aboard? Good. Right. Uh, we go to a cabin now, which has a sign on the door that says exposition room. Mm. Uh, <laughs> where for no good reason, mm. I can see Dr. Ishiro and Dr. Vivian decide they need to tell Ford everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> uh, they need to tell him where Godzilla came from, that they were trying to kill him in 1954 with the nuclear bombs, how he woke up with a nuclear submarine. And you're like, why are they telling him all I this? I was waiting for Michael York to come in and finish it all off. <laughs> And then they get in they go, we've told you all this because we need to know if you remember anything your dad, who's now died twice, <laughs> told you that might be of use to us. And after all this, Ford goes, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really listening. And it's like, uh-huh. And then he goes... Can I go now? I'm going to get on. A, are you, can you drop me at Hawaii yeah. and I'll jump on a flight back? Because Dad said I need to go home to my family. Yeah, that's what happens. And um, I do want to talk about this quite seriously because I do, I do, I do think the Ford story in this. So, so who do you think we're really following in this movie? Who is like? I know you talk about the hero's journey a lot mm. on the show. So is the hero Godzilla? Or is the hero Ford? Or are they both heroes? Because I think as a human watching this, you are more attached to Ford's story. Yeah, the hero's Ford. Because right. he's got to keep coming up with plans and doing things to he save the day. Yeah, but he just walks into plans. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm not, saying he's, I'm not saying he's a particularly good hero, but okay. he is given... He's your hero the, character. Yeah, he's but given, I, think God's, I think you're following Godzilla. Oh, that's who I felt more connected to rather than Ford Brody. Well, I, I, I think even if you are, and I think you're right, because this is where I get confused, which is why this is more of a question, but it's just mm. really strange decisions about what Ford does. So here, where they go, okay, you don't know anything, you're not really going to be of any use to us, this should be one of two things in my mind. This should be either he does know stuff, but he says, look, no, I don't want to help. I don't. Yeah, this isn't my fight. Mm. All I want to do is get back to my family. But he doesn't. He goes, I don't know anything. They're like, I'm just going to go home. Yeah. So there's no agency He's, about his decision. There's the top and tail of a character arc where his dad says, do whatever it takes. And at the end, he says, I'll do whatever it takes. And there's nothing in between. Yeah. So he, he just does what well, he's, he's told. He's he's rescuing and saving someone else's family yeah. rather than his own. It's like that doesn't. And make... what I mean, I, not because it's you know, don't it's it's mean to Pilot, but yeah. To apart from him being a hero, what is his personality? Is he, obviously he's brave, but he has to be brave to be the hero, I guess, which is a bit. But he, there isn't anything else. He's a dad, but that's not a character type. That's a thing that you mm. are. So what else is he? Is he indecisive? Is he spontaneous? Is he reckless? Is he anything? He's is nothing. he funny? <laughs> oh no, he was definitely funny because she laughed. <laughs> but oh, we yeah, got no evidence. And we got no evidence. Honestly, in the next scene where he's on the monorail going to the airport, he acquires that child, doesn't he? That That's he what I'm then talking gives about. back. Someone else's child. But yeah. you, and also, if you were those parents who who aren't English speaking, and you see a, someone shouting at you in a foreign language, running, chasing your scared son <laughs> down a train as it pulls away from a platform, you're not going to be like, he's Thank fine. You. You're going to be like, <laughs> yeah. fucking hell, our son is going to get touched. <laughs> you know, I always tell you that story about, I thought they'd given Ford Brody a child to give him something to hold and something to do, someone to act off mm-hmm. you know I always tell you this story about I can't remember which actress it was but in Desperate Housewives a million years ago and she'd had quite a lot of Botox done and to articulate surprise she was finding it difficult so they always had her drop a teacup 
So I don't even know if it's true, but this is what I heard. And I think they've done that with him. They were like, we, we're not getting the emotion we need, so we'll give him a child. But, but the, the dog was there. You could have done, the, done oh, it with the dog true. because yeah, we've got true. a child in danger later. But it's, it, what it does, it's, it's, it's the fault of the script because it never gives him decisions to make yeah. like it could be he could be any any different thing if he was just given the opportunity to sort of like for example in this scene they could have gone the other way it could have been like they go you don't know anything we don't need you and he goes no i want to be involved in this fight yeah. because that is the best way to protect my family these yeah, things are he's heading given, to he's san given, francisco he's given decisions to make all through the film but it's just it's quite it's obvious what it, there's only one decision each and every time I think there are ways where it could have been multiple decisions. I think, I, I do think it's intentional, though. I think they're trying to doubt, I, I think they're worried because I think it's gone for this documentary kind of feel, like this sort of like faux realism kind of thing that they don't want any sort of like melodrama and over-the-top performances. So I think they've said, we're playing down everything. It's just like, well, this is real. This yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, I just want to save my family. Yeah. Like they, they've gone the opposite way. But unfortunately... That just removes any like urgency from his mission. Anyway, you're right. He's in Hawaii. He steals a child. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I, 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 well, we see Godzilla now. He shows up after 50 minutes. Well, this was this was an intentional thing, wasn't it? Um, because Edwards uh, actively says we wanted a restrained approach, yep. uh, similar to Alien Jaws and Close Encounters. Um, Jaws, 62 minutes. Jurassic Park, 64 minutes before the big monsters show up. It's 60 minutes in here before Godzilla I think it's fine as well. I mean, they were hoping to make a bunch of these films. This is the only opportunity you get to to hide your monster Mm. in the first one. So why not... You know, build the tension, and it's a it's a, a cool arrival. It kills loads of people with a tsunami when he steps out of the bath, um, <laughs> and we get the Muto at the airport. The whole thing is set up for a fight, though. It's like you put your two monsters in a location, and they're both there, and you've set them both up, and it's an airport, and there's destruction happening, and then it goes cut. Cut to kid watching it on TV. So we're in or watching a movie, watching a kid watching the fight on TV. Yeah, that's true. Weird, weird decision. Takes your budget down though. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, and we'll talk about that after this break. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Looking for your next podcast binge? Well, look no further. The Offensive is a football mockumentary that follows Premier League club Ashwood City as their money-grabbing owner and is bored via from one crisis to another. Sounds familiar. Well, things are reaching breaking point this January as Real Madrid come calling for Ashwood's star player. Oh, and Patrick's going to accept 180 million euros for Kevin. Wait, wait, hang on, wait. Woody, I'm just getting my dick out. Ah, fuck you and your dick. It's just getting my dick out, Woody. It's part of the negotiations. Woody, my dick. Patrick, these are the new work experience intake for the marketing team. Uh, hi. Hi, yeah. The Offensive, where the thick of it meets the Premier League. Subscribe now and enjoy more than 130 episodes. The Offensive is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. So, uh, 
we're in Vegas now, or just on the outskirts of Vegas, where they're at, and I looked this up, the Yucca Mountain Nuclear Waste Repository, the real place where America dumps its uh, nuclear waste and, indeed, uh, Muto eggs. Uh, but one's come out and is heading for Vegas. Fine. Um, it's kind of fun watching a monster put its foot through a casino ceiling. Um, and now Godzilla's heading to San Francisco. Uh, Ford wants to join a military train loaded with nukes that's heading there because they're going to use the nukes as bait, kill the monsters with the blast, and it's the quickest way for him to get to his family. Uh, apparently, if you want to get on what sounds like a fairly secret mission with nuclear weapons, you just need to go, I really need to be on that train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pretty quickly you'll be running the mission. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> That's not how you do that, mate. This is, Let me tell you how this works. You're kind of a freeloader here, <laughs> yeah, passenger. Um, again, another opportunity yeah, for, him for, for him to be proactive. For, like, I mean, even if the film had gone, look, our bomb expert has been killed uh, by a MUTO. You're the only person who can do this. I don't want part of it. I just want to get back to my family. Yep. You have to do this. It will save lives. God damn it, I'll do it then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anything. So uh, even when he's on the phone to Elle and she's crying, he's like, the military have got a plan. Doesn't he say, though, because it's such a silly hero thing to say, and she's like, please come and rescue me. And he's like, I'll be there by sunrise. <laughs> do you mean six? Like, just <laughs> Who speaks to their wife? Stay there till sunrise. (laughs) Remember we talked about, you know, watches and clocks and time. I mean, I know the military use different terms, but they're probably very precise, aren't they, about when sunrise is. When the cock crows, you'll see me walking towards the door. The the cockerel? The uh, the cockerel crows? I mean, there's no farms here, Ford. Um... So uh, we've got uh, the military um, train and he's on the train and then there's a fight and you're just like, put the train in the tunnel if there's a monster around. You're right by a tunnel. Hide it in the tunnel. But Ford sees that the Muto is a mummy and it's got eggs. They'll come into play in a bit. Um, I have a question, which I don't know if either of you will know the answer to. You know when the train comes out of the smoke on fire? Mm -hmm. There's another scene in another movie where something emerges from thick smoke on fire. I don't know if it's a horse or an animal in a Western, but I swear it (laughs) reminds me of another scene where you're like shocked when something that shouldn't be on fire. Oh my God, is it Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? It's just, is this something? Uh, Yeah, it might be. Is it? Like a a wagon on fire? Maybe. I don't know. That's my instinct. There's a movie. I hope someone will know. We're on Twitter at ClashPod because I cannot think of it. And I've spent way too much time trying to remember. Googling horse on fire. <laughs> yeah, weirdly. <laughs> I actually oh, put that don't, in. Don't. I'm sure that's horrible. Was that horrible? Well, uh, horse on fire. I mean, it, weirdly, it comes up with a scene uh, in this where loads of baby mutos are on fire. So Godzilla arrives in San Francisco. Uh, we get the Golden Gate Bridge scene. Action that looks cool, but has no emotion because none of the principal cast are involved. Yeah. And it's not clear what is going on. Does Godzilla stop the military's missiles from killing all the civilians or is he just in the way? Have you gone over the bit where the man Muto, the male Muto, sorry, gives the female Muto the nuclear warhead? That's around here, yeah. And mm. it looks like she's going to use it as a tampon. <laughs> she does. She's got her egg sack and she puts the tampon, she puts it up. I thought it was going up and I was like, is she using it as a tampon? And I know, I'm not even being crude just for the sake of it. She gets it in her hand and it's like, whoa, that's bold if that's what's about to happen because she's going to feed the babies if, yeah, or whatever. If you need radiation to reproduce, that makes sense, doesn't stick it? it? Stick it up there. It was crackers. Also, Vicky, how did you feel about Elle sucking off her kids on another month? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Kids. Like, she's got one baby. Yeah. I'll put him on this bus because I must wait for my husband. <laughs> it's like there's absolutely not a chance in the world. Any mm. normal couple would be like, you've done what with him? Well, I was waiting for you because you told me to wait. I would rather you went with him <laughs> to make sure that he's safe. Are you mental? <laughs> like, he's just, Mark, <laughs> what the fuck have you... Yeah. Where? Who? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Don't wait for me. I'm a fucking a school, grown-up. A Go with the bus. child. It was with Karen. We don't know anyone called Karen. <laughs> She seemed happy to take him. She had a kind face. And also, whatever the son, I think he's called Sam, when he grows up and he remembers, he's like, you just put me on a bus with Karen and just went and waited for Dad? I don't think so. Uh, Yeah, you're right. The Muto steals uh, their warhead. Um, So... You know, it's a, it's a, this is an issue because they need to disarm it now. Mm. So I, I think this sounds quite rude, doing a halo insertion. 
<laughs> well, the Halo guys have to go in, and these guys are badasses because they do high-altitude, low-opening jumps, and they are badasses also <laughs> because they wear their parachutes to meetings on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Sorry, see, just see the parachute? you missed it. Halo. Halo, yeah. I do high-altitude, low-opening. So mm. so you, you can see by the fact I'm standing yeah. on the ground. <laughs> Wearing my parachute. What's it you do? <laughs> so, let me yeah, just, just, let just spin around. Let me just spin around. That's what I do. Watch, watch me. Watch me. This red dye is going to look spectacular. <laughs> do, you, do you need it? No. <laughs> but that looks fucking cool, doesn't it? There's a reason, but really it's it's visual. Mm. Uh, yeah. Isn't red dye hard to see when the rest of the sky is red? Do you not, do you not just look at the sorry, most... Sorry, are you inhaling? No, sorry. I am, so... Do you know why you're not inhaling? Don't have a parachute on your back at this meeting <laughs> in a hut on the ground. <laughs> do, you want to take, do you want to take those off, guys? Because you're not doing the jump for another three hours. No, no, no. It's no. So silly. People won't know we do halo jumps <laughs> if we take them off. Obviously. I love the music here, though. This kind of spooky choral. <laughs> uh, it's so atmospheric, and then it sort of cuts out, so all you can hear is the is the monsters. I think the sound design is great. It in this is sequence. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, there's a real, I think, and this is one of mine. I didn't. I think this is another Jaws moment uh, where Admiral Stenz has a quiet moment uh, with Doctor Ishiro, and I think it's very quint because Admiral Stenz comes out after his bomb plan has failed and the Muto stolen the bomb, and he finally swallows his pride and says to the Doctor, "This Alpha Predator of yours, Doctor, do you really think he has a chance?" which is exactly the same beat as where Quint's run out of ideas on the orca and picks up the spear gun, Hooper's spear gun, after laughing at all his other ideas and finally goes, Hooper, what exactly can you do with these things? And you're like, oh, shit, it's the same beat. Totally. So like you said, Halo Jump is cool. I wish I'd seen some of them hitting the buildings. We just hear about it in word form. That yeah. would have been way more dramatic. I was like, waiting to see that. We yeah. lost a couple of people. Yeah. Well, well, show me. I want to see that. Show me. It's I want. The, it's the Archangels moment from Reign of Fire where they hit the ground. Yeah. It's like, fucking hell, do it. Um, and we're into the final fight, um, which I'll sum up with. A couple of proud parents are murdered after their babies are burnt to death. Yeah, it's it, that's very dark. And I would say literally it's quite dark. Yeah. Every, it, I've wrote down Fifty Shades of Grey because everything was a bit grey. And it was the same with the 98 version. But here I found it it was dark as well as grey. Yeah. And so I was struggling to see what was going on. It's the best thing about some of the later Monsterverse movies is where they've just, I mean, I don't know where they're in a very short space of time. Um Visual effects have improved where they can do it in daylight more convincingly, but it's lovely when you finally see two monsters go at each yeah. other in broad daylight because this is another like and mist to, and smoke and darkness. And to be fair, in the 98 version, it's that commentary, they were literally saying that as we were progressing through the film, the technology was getting better and, and stuff that we shot at the end of the shoot versus the beginning is completely different. And, and so um, I get, they get the consistency right here. I just, yeah, I struggled a little bit and it didn't help watching it in 3D as well at the time. Mm. Yeah, I'll be I I'll be honest. Like I don't I don't love this fight, and I think part of it is I can't shake the fact that you've built up um, a real relationship between the male and female Muto. Like they nuzzle each other, they mm. seem like parents. Again, like with the the Godzilla in nineteen ninety eight nuzzling its dead young, and you're just like, why why is this? Why have you not created a villain for Godzilla to fight a mm. monster that we go that is awful I want to see dead I mean say what you like about Godzilla King of the Monsters there's bad stuff in there but when King Ghidorah comes out of the fucking ice it's incredible and you immediately go that monster is a massive shit I cannot wait to see it have its head ripped off this you like they seem like animals behaving in an animal way like just trying to survive because they don't even eat people as well that's, so that's the other thing, thing. exactly so there's no threat. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, they're going to destroy everything. But if they eat people, you'd be like, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Ghidorah, happy to start killing people. The minute it comes out of the ice, I'd look in Ghidorah. Uh, right. Uh, Ford and Godzilla have a quiet moment together. And um, another problem here, L is a nurse. And we've not seen her do much at this point. And... She's part of the crowds who are running around trying to hide from the monsters, taking shelter in a shelter. I just think at this point, have her help someone. Like, yeah. give her something to do other than screaming and running. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been nice. Um, anyway, 
uh, unless anyone has anything big to say about these moments, uh, the Mutos die horrifically. <laughs> and it's kind of cool, the neck bite and then the firing atomic breath into the mouth. Yeah, that it looks good. Yeah, it does. If it was a bad, a bad villain monster, I'd be totally up for this. Uh, it's not. So I just, I'm a bit like, you've lost me. Um, Ford and L are finally reunited. Uh, which somehow, despite everything lacking in their relationship for the whole film, still works for me. I still was like, oh. Yeah, I know. I get it. I mean, it's, it was very emotional. Because you, you put, you know, in terms of projecting into a character's headspace, it would be, it's good that they do the thing where he thinks he's found his family, but it's someone else. And then you just like, oh, like, imagine that. Is that the bit where there's a FEMA guy and he's sort of following him around going, do you know where my, do you know where my wife is? This yeah. is her name, El Brody. Is she on any list? And the FEMA guy just goes, ah, your wife's probably fine. You're yeah, like, it is actually. Um, it's, it's reassuring. Like you, oh, you do know what I'm talking about, but also there's no way. Yeah, Look over there. That's a that's massive... That's a woman. That, the city is on fire. You <laughs> yeah. don't know where she is. What are the chances of her being just fine? I think the, when they're reunited in the stadium thing, I think that... The camera work is sort of... Because I'm only on this point because I think... I understand that you would put your child to safety, but I, it felt like the film was saying, because they'd had this emotional phone call, she wanted to make sure her husband was all right, kind of over her child, which felt a bit false and whatever, because you're trying to show that Elle and Ford have this really intense, like, uh, special relationship or whatever. Mm. So they, they're reunited in the stadium and she and she runs towards her son, which is all right and proper. But then the camera kind of, like, cuts him off so that she can reunite with her husband. And it's like, you can't have it... For some reason, this family can't be all. She's either getting off with her husband or she's a mum, <laughs> but she can't do both. <laughs> Nothing. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know what the kid would be doing, though, when they're getting off, <laughs> to use your Just parlance, uh, <laughs> when they're getting off with each other. <laughs> Get your denim shorts and a glass of wine. I am going to make you laugh. I mean, I did think, I mean... No, sorry, I won't say. I just thought for a film where he's been on tour for such a long time and then he comes home, you'd be like, Sam, go to bed! Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think? I'm admirable respect. Put your headphones on. Jesus, I don't want to drink a glass of wine. <laughs> like, stop making jokes and making me laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot to ask, actually, what do you think of um, of Godzilla in this movie? His personality, his look? Uh, I'll come back to it in the bits. Okay, Chris. <laughs> I think he looks good. Um, I didn't grow up obsessed with Godzilla and therefore the people being upset with the look of the Godzilla in both these movies we've talked about didn't really bother me as much. Mm. If, it, if it works as a monster on screen, I'm happy with that. There's nothing that I'm comparing it against. But um, I think the Mutos have more personality than Godzilla here, which is an issue. I think um, they sort of interact with each other and with the humans a bit more than Godzilla does. And I, so I think that's maybe the only weakness is that he could have a little bit more personality, which develops over the course of the movies. But it does. Not sure we get it here. Yeah. Yeah, I guess part of that may be just because of his size and like, you know, sure. the insignificance of people like, yeah. as he's doing his bit. What is it? Redressing the balance. Mm. He's nature's way of yeah. stopping Muto's. Um, so Godzilla survives at the end. We don't think he does because he's like there, there, asleep. He's just asleep. He's resting. He's resting after a big fight. Yeah, would be, would be. Then he wakes up and he heads back out to sea. And uh, Dr. Ishiro watches this and laughs with glee. And Dr. Vivian says, I can't believe he's alive. As the TV literally reads, thousands dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's just like, read the room. <laughs> Literally, read the room. <laughs> He's alive. Thousand. Look, look at what the TV's... I mean, so people have lost their lives. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much that. Unless anyone's got anything else, it kicked off Warner Brothers Monsterverse. Um, Godzilla followed by Kong Skull Island, followed by Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then Godzilla versus Kong. Seen any of those? Seen all I of those? I have not. Okay. I'm tempted by Kong Skull Island, mm -hmm. but the other... I, no, I'm not. Chris, you've seen all of them. I've seen all of them. This is the second best one. It is the second best one, and the best one is... What? 
Kong Skull Island. 100%. Oh, is it? Without, is it good? I love it. Shadow yeah. of a doubt. Yeah, is it really great. good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How good? All it's sort of, but it, it, it's so good and so different tonally. It doesn't feel like it sits in the MonsterVerse. I had to double check it was part of the MonsterVerse, not just because it's a prequel, because it's set, I think, in the 70s, mm. um, but also because it's funny it's so it's like got a lot of humor in it yeah john c Riley basically just like makes it fantastic and the others are even like even the most recent one which tries to inject a bit of humor it still feels like a little bit worthy yeah and i don't know whether that's like a condition about if you've got godzilla in the movie you have to be very respectful to right, like okay. godzilla but kong skull island Shit ton of fun. Yeah, a definite candidate for something we could do in the future. Mm. Maybe with another Kong movie. Mm. Right then, shall we do the musings? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, all right then, uh, Chris, what is your best scene? Uh, in the cinema, it was 100% the Halo jump. Mm. On the small screen, it's Cranston and Binoche having their moment together. <laughs> so I don't know what I don't take away from that she what you will. She just popped up, not dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made Quentin Tarantino cry. Oh, really? It's the first time he's cried at a 3D blockbuster. All right, because of that, I'm going Halo Jump. <laughs> Victoria. I like the, I know you're disappointed it doesn't end in a fight, but I was less bothered about that. So when we're in the airport, so you can see them and you're panning sideways through the airport lounge. And you see Godzilla and it's the big reveal for the first time. And then I think he's got this little, like you've seen him in his all his glory. And this, this film is the other one where he does a little nostril flare. And I just like that. <laughs> I don't think, when you see his head for the first time uh, in that moment, I just don't think the roar goes on long enough. It feels like it needs to be like, whoa. Yeah, and then that gets really, I was a bit overdone, overdone. I was a bit over the roars by the end. There's a lot of roaring. I just think panning sideways through that lounge, the build of the panic, it felt strangely, it felt strangely, yeah, it did feel like documentary, very realistic considering what we're watching. Mm. I thought it was good. I uh, I thought the bit before that, which you don't get the full reveal where people are watch, looking at something and then the military fire the flares off the roof, those red flares, yeah. and they light up Godzilla, but he's just disappeared before you get to his head. I thought that was kind of cool. And also the tsunamis. I'm terrified of tsunamis. Yeah. Yeah. Like a deep, deep seated. The way that you're scared of the sea, mm. I take the piss out of that all the time, but I do understand what, I mean, it's a very common fear, isn't it? But just that the full, the, the breadth of the ocean retreating, mm. I think I would just pass out from sheer fear and mm. then just... <sighs> I, dead. I was preoccupied with the fact, like, you know what I'm like, the fact that the dog is tied to the tree by its lead. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill the I dog in the they tsunami. Kill the dog. But it gets free, doesn't it? Yeah. And they make a point of going, see, the dog looks all right. I'm like, good, 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 good. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Chris. Um, the Well, Chris's first answer before he heard about QT. Uh, the reactor leak sequence, the whole sequence that ends with them. Um, Brian screaming as he has to close the door at a lump of gas. <laughs> ah, ah, I'm going to do it, though. MVW, Victoria. Well, this is why I didn't answer before, because it is Godzilla. Okay. Because I agree with Chris about, I, mean, I didn't grow up on Godzilla, so whether or not it's true to the original, I don't really care or mind or whatever. So I was impressed by this monster, and I did think it had personality. And I thought, to the point where, being very silly, at the end... I knew they wouldn't do this because the film is bereft of humour. But Dr. Sarah's always like, he's, he's the saviour. And I thought it might give him a bit of a wink, like, don't mess with Like, I did this for myself. I didn't do this for you, like, kind of thing. Um, but I just thought... You wanted yeah, Godzilla to wink? A little bit. But like, <laughs> the You're welcome. Wow. You, mean like, you mean like Smokey and the Bandit, where Burt Reynolds, like, winks at the camera? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. No problem. <laughs> I like you're, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I like the monster a lot. Chris. Uh, my most valuable ever is Mr. Brian Cranston. Elevates the material. Um, and as you said several times, like the, the film suffers when he's not on screen. Mm -hmm. As he himself said, yeah, mine's the same. Brian Cranston, he's just <laughs> phenomenal in this. He lifts the material and gives it everything and just injects the movie with so much like Cranston, that uh, <laughs> when he goes, it's it's a palpable drop in and, energy. Yeah. And it sounds like he was Brian Cranston's MVW <laughs> with Brian Cranston as well. <laughs> they shouldn't have killed me off. I was I was standing on, I wouldn't leave. I locked myself in my trailer and went, you're going to have to pull me out of this trailer. And then he just moved the trailer. Uh, so what would you change, Chris? Um, I already said they need to lighten this <laughs> film up because mm. I can't see what's happening. Um, but... I appreciate it's complicated with this kind of story, moving your 
character pieces around the chessboard to get everyone where they should be. But you've got to put our hero's kid in mortal danger, not some random family's kid. And mm. I, I just, I, I would absolutely figure that out. Yep. Victoria? Uh, it's similar to something you've already said. So when Elle, so Elle doesn't put her son on a bus with some random woman that she's just met or whatever. She takes him and they go underground together and she has scenes where they're in peril underground and she saves the kids. It's really obvious. Yes. So then the family are reunited and they've all had scenes and, and on and on. It's basic. That's what I said as well. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, we all, we all, I mean, mine's, uh, I mean, obviously, don't kill Cranston. Um, also, again, weirdly, I cannot believe it's the same as Monday's, uh, the 1998 version. No baby monsters. Uh, depressing, fundamentally depressing to see a parent, monster or not, mourning the death of its offspring. And then you want us to cheer when that very same monster is killed. Yeah. Just doesn't work. Especially because there's parental death in this. So the themes are all there. Like, are we supposed to cheer when Brian dies? I don't. Mm. It's all sitting in front of you. And you'd think if we're going to go into grief, let's remember that people grieve. And so they might grieve for these babies. Mm. It, I don't know. Right, that's us done then. It is time. Godzilla 1998 versus Godzilla 2014 for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Right then. Uh, your week. Come on, oh, yeah. Every single freaking <laughs> time. I'm looking at her oh, face saying, is she going to notice? Fucking admin me. <laughs> we all just, make mistakes. Just, it's, it's every week. Just do your job. Fucking <laughs> every week. <laughs> Shall I do it this week then? <laughs> no. It's her. It's her. Uh, it's, uh, it's Victoria. <laughs> it's Vicky's well, job. because of my fucking arse. <laughs> come, come back to the microphone. Come on. <laughs> she's lying. She's sitting back. She's relaxing. <laughs> That's what I do when I feel attacked <laughs> and I'm <laughs> retreating. I'm trying to prove to you that I'm not bothered by your attitude. Or, or clearly which movie wins. <laughs> no, I'm really not. So, uh, fuck it. Alex, you can go first. <laughs> okay. I think I've written a bit too much, um, but never mind. Uh, I really want a 90s Godzilla to be as fun as it starts for the rest of the movie. I do get that Emmerich intended for it to be silly fun and not a Godzilla movie. Unfortunately, even if you look at it like that, Unlikable and underwritten characters, uh, the way it deals with the monster, the fucking baby death, which I'm going to stop going on about, it all make it a bad film. I really wanted 2014 Godzilla to be as fun as it starts for the rest <laughs> of the movie, but Cranston disappearing, hardly any Godzilla for the first hour, underwritten characters, uh, who knows what Ken and Sally really do, <laughs> um, and baby murdering all mean it's not. Both movies needed, and I cannot say this enough, a villainous monster for Godzilla to fight. Full stop. So my opinion is that one of these films is so bad it's close to unwatchable and is made by people who hate Godzilla and trample over what Godzilla is, and the other is flawed but still a valiant effort with some absolutely incredible visuals from Gareth Edwards, my votes for Godzilla 2014. Lovely. And now you can go. What Alex said. Yeah. <laughs> um, um I, I with the with the with the more recent one, I enjoyed it more the first time I watched it in the cinema. I think the spectacle trumped the shortcomings of the film when I was sitting there in the dark. Um and also I I don't feel as attached to the Mutos or their kids as you do. I didn't have a problem with them at the end actually. Okay. Uh, the way I did I did with the original, but watching it this time just didn't enjoy it as much and I think also I might be having monsterverse fatigue that those films have increasingly annoyed me, I mm. think, and sort of got on my nerves. And so watching this again, I don't know, it was making me feel like I was seeing the same thing over and over again. But I think the problem with that 1998 version, this could be a controversial take, I feel like it's made by two men who entirely lack empathy. <laughs> and I think that might be an issue that runs through all their films. And, and, and so I think they don't realise that audiences will actually care about this mum slash dad trying to find a place to have its babies and they don't realise we couldn't give a shit about this rotten newswoman getting back together with Ferris Bueller <laughs> I just don't think they understand how our brains work and so for that reason it's got to be it's got to be um, Gareth Edwards oh. well there you go 2014's Godzilla is the winner uh, I know you don't care but you still have to vote yeah no and I've got good reasons and it's everything it's just a, mi a mashup of everything you've said like 90, I do real love a blockbuster <clears throat> 98 is flashing and it has all that shot through like the humour with the action and tons of destruction 
but it's just the sum of its parts rather than the, the magic of Independence Day. Mm. And 2014 is apparently serious and has serious elements like family death and a hero separated from his kid, but it is quite boring. So I'm going to go for the one where I rooted for Godzilla the most and the one that honours Godzilla the best, even though I knew nothing about, well, not very much about Godzilla going in, which is 2014. Um, I just think wanting me to cheer when he dies... I, I just couldn't do it. And and I don't know anything about Godzilla, so mm. it must have failed quite categorically as a blockbuster if I don't get that emotional <laughs> beat. And the 2014 one just edges it for that. <laughs> I mean, I think knowing the way 1998 ends, you could watch it as a tragedy and sort of go, <laughs> look, mm. I'm, lo- I'm going to watch this because I want to be upset. Well, that's King Kong. Yeah. It is, and yet King Kong, it feels earned. It feels hundred percent. It's, well, it's a better film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, almost all of them are better films. Mm. The King Kong, the Chewie adverts, better than both. As well. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that next week. <clears throat> oh, we should have done that as a triple threat. <laughs> Twenty fourteen, nine ninety eight, in the Chewit's advert. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing that one. (laughs) All right, then. We have a winner, and it is, of course, I don't think there's that much of a surprise, Godzilla 2014. Congratulations. Three for three. Our first three for three in a while. In a long time. In a while. Oh, lovely. In a while. Even you couldn't mess this one up, Alec. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I stand by Collio's way. So, Clash Potters in Control continues next week with another listener pick. I gave you a clue on Monday. That clue was... Meet the parents. I did sort of until Chris went, You said too much! I was starting to talk about how we like to do an anti Valentine's Day pairing, and I think this really fits our remit. So, oh, I can't remember who's doing what. I haven't done this bit properly. Okay, so Chris, you are doing Ready or Not. And Victoria, you are doing. Get Out! I will do. (laughs) And the film, Get Out. Uh, So that is your pairing next week. Get Out versus Ready or Not. I apologise. I haven't looked at where they're available. Oh, that's a good... um... Have you watched them already? No, because it was a surprise that I just told you. (laughs) I've watched them. Where are they? I can't remember. Get Out was on Amazon last time I looked for it, definitely. Great. And Ready or Not was on Sky a while ago. Do you know what? Type, I'd like to watch Ready or Not into Google and yeah. it will but come But also, up. wait, get your admin bollocking off Chris it, it's just on... to make everything fair because you fucked up again. Yeah, you so, idiot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's every week, Alex. Ready or, <laughs> Ready or Not. I'm being attacked. <laughs> yeah, lean back, it does. Yeah. Uh, Ready or Not is on Disney+. Plus. Great. Yes. Thank you. And that's is where I watched it. <laughs> okay. But I also bought the Blu-ray, so it's confusing. No, nope. all right. <laughs> Could you have gone back to the Blu-ray for the commentary? Mm. Yeah, all right. Good, good commentary. We'll find out next week. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where this podcast is famous enough that you could sign all the Blu-rays you buy to listen to the commentary and then you could sell them or give them away as prizes at a live show? But just it's just the Blu-ray that you did watch for the episode signed by Chris Tilly. Maybe. Because you must have tons of Blu-rays. Oh, do you know, there's oh only, do you know, there's only little... one person that's ever asked me to sign a Blu-ray. Was it Georgina? No. <laughs> <What>? Fede Alvarez. <laughs> Absolutely no true. Your expectations gave, are quite high. I gave Evil Dead four stars and it was on the back of it. And when we, we the first time we met and we had lunch together, he said, that's you. I said, yes. He said, will you sign this? I've never met anyone who's... Please be my... my friend. I'm only joking. <laughs> Fede. <laughs> Fede. That is so weird because I, and I stand by this before we have an argument about it, but I don't want to have that conversation. It's just a story. I gave Prometheus five stars. Oh my God. And, um, and Ridley Scott asked me to sign it. Really? No. No, of course he did. He actually went, you give it five stars? You're fucking mad. All <laughs> uh, right then. <laughs> that is us done for this week. Get out and ready or not right. is your homework <laughs> for the weekend. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Big week next week. I'm excited mm. about this. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Get Out versus Ready or Not. We'll be back on Monday talking Get Out. Speak to you then. Have a lovely weekend. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 